0: Hello and welcome to Indians on Deck. I'm Matt Schlichting, joined as always by Brian Heminger. Brian, the minor league season has come to a close. Yeah, it has, and
1: it's been a a pretty wild year for uh, Indians minor league teams, so uh, I'm Excited to talk about a, a little bit of a wrap-up as uh, things uh, have come to their conclusion. And uh, just some uh, some of the players that maybe excited us or surprised us and uh, maybe disappointed us. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot to talk about.
0: Absolutely. But we will get started, as always, with the top 10 prospects in the system and how they did for the last week of the year. And Nolan Jones went out with a bang, it looks like.
1: Yeah, which is great. Um, Yep. He uh, finished the season with uh, the final week having a 289, 417, 526 slash with a home run, two doubles, and five walks. Well done, Nolan. Um, finishes the season with a combined uh, high A and double A slash of 272, 409, and 444. So uh, I think what impressed me the most was his uh, slugging percentage went up after moving up to double a so he was hitting more extra base hits he hit i think he ended up the season i think with more home runs at double a than he ended us at high a which and he was at high a longer (laughs) so that's great uh betting average dipped a little bit uh in uh double a but the on base percentage stayed you know over 400 which is huge
0: yeah and with his patience and his power average is almost kind of like eh.
1: Mm mm-hmm so, you yeah, know, that that that's a really great sign. So he he really cemented himself as one of the top top guys in the Indian system uh, as the top guy really um, by cuz as I say all the time, you know, the the transition from high A to double A is usually the most jarring for players. And, you know, Nolan Jones really did not see much loss in production whatsoever. So to, for him to to shake that off and and you know, cream some home runs and that the ball is not juiced to double A, it's juiced to triple A, but, uh, and and actually improve his, his slugging percentage and everything. That's, that's a really good sign to see. So I'm very happy for, uh, what we got out of Nolan Jones there in, in that transition. So next up, how did our boy Tristan McKenzie do? He must've really finished that season strong, right,
0: Matt? Well, he finished it exactly as strong as he started, which is to say not at all. No baseball from Tristan McKenzie whatsoever this year after either a shoulder or a back or a just-not-being-alive-anymore injury. Nobody really knows at this point. We may never hear from him again. Maybe we should do like a special, my God, he lives podcast if like we ever see him throwing again.
1: Yeah, it's just really frustrating because, you know, all we heard was back injury and spring training, and then he never pitched the whole season, so... I mean, you would not think that a simple back injury would be the reason that somebody would miss a whole season. You know, as we mentioned last week, Mike Clevenger had a back injury early in the season. And, you know, he came back and he's, you know, wins pitcher of the month in the American League for August. So uh, I just I really wish the Indians, I mean, I understand them, you know, wanting to keep this close to the vest. But, you know, something must have happened uh, for him to like have some kind of setback or something in his rehab. Because, I mean, he was throwing. In June, I mean, he was throwing, and and then we never heard anything from him again. So unfortunate, and you know, I guess, I mean, this really was just a completely lost year for Tristan McKenzie. I mean, his his prospect uh, status really took a took a nosedive this season.
0: Yeah, because he came in number one overall in the Indian system and ranked pretty highly in most top one hundreds, and I. I mean, unless something major changes or we hear something incredibly positive this offseason, I don't see any reason for anyone to include him in a top 100 list for the whole league.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm wondering what LGT is going to do when we uh, do our top 20 next year. uh, (laughs) Because we had several players have some breakout seasons, and uh, Tristan was definitely not one of them. So we'll see how much they punish him for not getting to play. Uh,
0: Another player or this is one that uh, we didn't start the year with but added along the way, Mr. Logan Allen, and he had a little bit of a a nice week to finish the year. Yeah,
1: uh, he had uh, one game started, six innings pitched, uh, allowed just one run on five hits with six strikeouts and three walks. Um, Definitely, by far, his best start since he's arrived from San Diego. Um, He'd struggle. he, he, He definitely has not had a great year. Uh, his prospect status also has, uh, you know, taken a dip, but that's a great way to close it out. Get a little bit of momentum built for uh, next season because, you know, what he does in this off is really going to define uh, him for next year. Because you know he's going to be competing for that number five spot in the Indians' rotation or four spot, depending on what the Indians do in the off season. But I mean, you would have to think that as, long as if the Indians don't make any moves and everybody stays healthy, that you've got. Bieber, Clevenger, Carrasco, and Kluber as one four, one through four, no matter what, uh, and then everybody. I mean, literally. I mean, it, it could be up to ten guys trying to fight out for that number five spot.
0: Yeah, it really could. I mean, you know, Which Logan is, Allen is awesome, but
1: so next up, how about our boy Tyler Freeman?
0: He finished off the season uh, with six games in the last week, hit three hundred and twenty, got on base at a three hundred and twenty clip, and slugged three hundred and sixty. An Oscar. Yeah, and I think we talked about this last week, but started the season definitely drawing a lot more walks, showing some patience, and then over the last month, (laughs) that on-base percentage started to get very, very close to the batting average, but he was at least able to add a double and steal a couple of bases in the last week as well.
1: Yeah, one thing that was kind of a saving grace was he was still getting hit by a lot of pitches, and and even that stopped, so I don't know what happened.
0: And no more free passes. And then our number five man on the totem pole, Mr. Bone Naylor. How was yeah, he? Didn't
1: finish the season super strong. Um, slashed a 167, 200, 222. Uh, Babbitt was low. So, you know, just more unlucky than anything. Uh, did hit a double. But, yeah, definitely not the, the, the greatest finish to a season. But uh, I would say over the last two months, he really impressed me. And I'm very happy with uh, what we saw out of him in his debut at a uh, full season single A for the whole season. And uh, he proved he belonged, even though the Indians were very aggressive with him. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to what he does at high A next year.
0: For sure. And then we have uh, a little bit to talk about him and some of the other catchers in the systems system later when we get to listen their questions, which should be fun. But yeah, I, I, he's one of my favorite prospects now and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do moving oh, forward.
1: And then, uh, how about our boy, George Valera, who also was uh, at full season Lake County to close out the season?
0: I don't know. I just don't know. He had four games, hit 133, 235, 267. There was a triple in there. He also got caught stealing three <laughs> or two out of the three times he was on base. <laughs> Not wonderful. Um, six strikeouts, put his overall line for the year at 217, 336, 411. So not quite the mashing that we had hoped for. But again, this is a very young player who missed a good chunk of last year. Last year we played like the dreaded ham bone yeah, injury. He didn't
1: even play a week. So this is really his first full season playing. And it wasn't even a full. He started halfway through. So I think we're going to learn a lot about George Valera next year because uh, he's probably going to be starting the season at Lake County. And that means he's going to start right after the Indians start. So we're going to get a full year out of him as long as he stays healthy and that's exciting. So, um, and that'll be a huge test because so far he's spent one season where he played about four or five games. Then uh, this year he was leading the New York Penn league in home runs and then got promoted. Um, You know, didn't quite hit as high average as we were hoping, but I mean, on on base was great. A lot of walks, uh, good slugging for the most part. So, I think he'll be. I think he'll be in good shape. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does this off season, and then how he responds to his first year of full season baseball. Because that's going to be a big test. And I think he'll be maybe 19 or 20 next year, so uh, still very young for his level. And uh, next up, looks like uh, Bobby Bradley had a decent close to the season.
0: He in the final week leading up to the playoffs hit three sixty eight, four fifty eight, seven thirty seven. Great. Uh, That was with a double, two home runs, four walks, five strikeouts. And it's worth pointing out the Clippers have also started their run for the Governor's Cup in the International League. And Brian, I think it it may be related to the name that you've chosen to identify yourself as in Zencaster today. But what did he do last night, even though the Clippers lost? Uh,
1: Even though the Clippers lost, uh, Bobby Bradley hit one of the hardest home runs I've ever seen in the history of baseball. I mean, I'm not joking. They showed him make contact with the ball and then they tried to pan to the outfield to watch it leave the park. And it had already bounced off of the brick wall, like at the top of the stadium and and it was already on the ground in the outfield by the time they could even find it. Like that's how hard he hit that ball. Uh, like I, 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 I really, really want to see like, some kind of computer system try to estimate what that exit velocity was. Cause that was absolutely disgusting. And the picture's reaction was hilarious. I mean, he's just like, Oh my God, what have I done? I need a, I need a new <laughs> profession. Jeez.
0: Uh, and it wasn't really even, oh, uh, it, yeah. was it was a high, was like,
1: it was, it was a ball. High. It was a, and he <laughs> just tomahawk. He... Bam. Just, I mean, those are those, like those, uh, you know, in slow pitch softball, you know, somebody just lofts one and it's right at your head and you just can't help yourself and just wham! That's that's exactly what he did. And it just never, I don't know if it ever stopped going up. <laughs> it was that hard of a line drive,
0: so. Well, my favorite thing about it is it hit in, in Columbus, they've got that sort of straight up and down deck uh, right up against Nationwide Boulevard there, so there's like three different levels, kind of it it, it kind of looks like a top golf almost if you've ever been to one of those the way it's stacked, but he hit it like a little more than halfway up and the ball just bounced like straight out back into right field and landed like (laughs) 30 or 40 feet from the wall (laughs) because of how hard it bounced off. Like the announcer didn't even have time to make a complete home run call. He was just like, oh, it's gone, I, I guess, already. Yeah, I mean,
1: it was it was insane. So I was super impressed. So, I mean, that's the kind of thing that he does. So uh, he's going to be competing for a spot on the Indians roster next season. And, you know, we all know what he needs to do. You know, he needs to, uh, you know, cut down on the strikeouts. If, if he can at least strike out at a 30% clip at, at the MLB level, like, he is going to be uh, playing in the major leagues for a long time but he just has to be able to find, you know, whatever it is where he's not sacrificing the power, but just improving that eye a little bit at the plate and just not swinging at pitches that he shouldn't be swinging at.
0: In, unless he as, blasts them like you know, that. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, I mean, cause I, I, you know, there's nothing I love better than seeing a guy swinging a pitch out of the zone and hit it out of the park. But um I think what, what he really needs to focus on, I, I think he should do something with Carlos Santana because you know Santana does such a tremendous job of not swinging the balls out of the zone, and if he can add that part to his game a little bit, you know that'll make him that much more dangerous because you know Santana's out there hitting thirty plus home runs and he's striking out you know one of the lower rates in the
0: Indians. Yeah, going to hit a hundred so, walks again this know. year. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not expecting Bobby Bradley to walk at a Santana clip, but I would just love for him to be a little bit more selective. Uh, you know, just see if he can pick up the ball a little bit better and, and try to not swing at those uh, pitches that major league pitchers are going to try to get him to swing at that look like strikes and are not.
0: Well, moving along, we come to Ethan Hankins who had one last you start know, to finish the and, season.
1: You know, he'd struggled a little bit, not, not terribly, but you know, it was a transition. He got promoted from Mahoning Valley to Lake County, full season ball. And in his final start of the season, I think was his most impressive. Uh, you know, He'd had multiple starts this year where he went four innings and did not give up a run or four innings. And get he, I think he had one where he did not give up a hit or a couple times. But this one was, I think, the most impressive. Even though he gave up a hit or even though he gave up a run, uh, he went four innings One run on two hits with two walks, and he struck out ten. That is ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he only had twelve outs, (laughs) and ten of them were strikeouts. So you know that's that's the pitcher that Indians are fans are excited about. Like that's the thing that he brings to the table. He has just such a filthy fastball that is so hard to pick up on, and has you know a lot of movement, and uh, the fact that. He moved up a level and they still can't hit it. That's a really, really good sign. So I'm very excited. I, I'm not joking. Ethan Hankins might be the player that I'm most excited about how he performed this year in the Indian system because everybody was wondering, you know, because he didn't pitch much at all after they drafted him last year. But this year, you know, he, he got a chance to really show what he can do. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing him for a full season next year and getting stretched out a little bit to more five innings, six innings how's this guy's stamina? You know, could this guy strike out 15? <laughs> you know, it could happen. If, uh you know, if he could strike out 10 in, in four, he could definitely strike out 15 in six or seven innings. So I'm I'm, I'm through the roof with my hype on Ethan Hankins. So uh, it, it could not have gone any better, his debut. Like, we were hyping it up, waiting. Like, come on, it's, it's, it's coming, guys. You know, he's in the top 10. He hasn't played... These first two months, but when he pitches, it's going to be good. And, and I think he outdid my my expectations for him uh, on the season overall. He ended with a two fifty five ERA, averaged over ten and a half strikeouts per nine innings. Uh, the only thing that's a little, you know, causing for concern, you know, he did have four and a half walks per nine innings. But uh, I think overall, though, his his control seemed good. He just had a couple rough outings where he walked a lot, and I think that kind of skewed it. So. Uh, But, I mean, if he's whiffing guys at that rate, you're not going to be too scared about it. Because, I mean, James Karinczak has, you know, similar issues where he walks some guys. But if he's striking out almost
0: every other batter that he doesn't walk... If the only guys that get on base are the few that you walk, no big deal. That brings us along to Daniel Espino, who finished up his first year in the system. He had that one last start and pitched three innings, ended up giving up three runs on four hits partially because of three additional walks, but he still struck out six guys. So I guess I'm satisfied with what we were able to see from him this year coming in as a high school arm just earlier this year and only having 23 and two thirds innings to show what he's got. I am satisfied so far and I'm looking forward to seeing how he develops. I mean,
1: (laughs) striking out almost 13 batters per nine innings. That's pretty good. Uh, And I think what I like the most about Espino is, you know, a lot of times the Indians will draft a kid uh, and then he'll maybe get to start like one or two times and then they'll just expect him to go to Mahoning Valley the next season. But he pitched consistently, you know, three inning outings and uh, was blowing people away and they liked him so much. They promoted him to Mahoning Valley. So that's really, really good sign. And that's something that you can build on for next year. Like, if he has a really good off season and impresses the Indians staff in spring training, uh, you know, during the minor league spring training, there's a possibility. It's not a guarantee or anything, but there's a slim possibility that he could this could be his only stint at Mahoning Valley. I mean, he was the Indians first round pick this year uh, and last year's first round pick uh, started this year at full season with Bo Naylor. They could do that. Just, just imagine if Ethan Hankins and Daniel Espino are in the same rotation at like Lake County next year. It'd be pretty fun. <laughs> I like imagining it. I mean, it's not a guarantee, obviously. He only pitched about three times with Mahoning Valley. But if the Indians feel that his development is ready for a full season, then that could be really, really exciting. So uh, it, it's something to dream on for next year. So there's there's a lot that has to happen first. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot to like right now with the uh, – some really impressive young arms,
0: and I almost stuff. wonder if, with a guy who has as good a fastball as Espino does, and really good strikeout stuff, obviously if he's striking out 13 guys per nine, I almost wonder if you can't really start to work on control and command until you start going up some higher levels. Because if you can just walk a couple guys but strike everyone else out, you almost don't need to learn how to work around it i guess so yeah it'll be interesting yeah, I'm,
1: I'm really looking forward to seeing him get challenged more too because he was not getting challenged in the arizona rookie league at all
0: <laughs> last but not least brian rocchio yep. uh,
1: rocchio you know did not have the strongest uh finish to the season that last week six games slashed uh, 174 208 304 did hit a home run which is great um and then had a walk and four strikeouts. So nothing real crazy to close out the season, uh, but I'll take it. Um, Overall on the year, he slashed a 250, 310, 373 in his first taste of a low a baseball. Um, I was hoping it'd be a little bit better than that, but you know, it's it's definitely not super underwhelming. So it it shouldn't be more than enough to earn him an opportunity to play for full season Lake County next year. So just like Valera, We'll get a full season out of Brian Rocchio next year. And that's definitely something to be excited about. Now, moving on, looks like we've got our five best from everywhere. So, looks like we have a familiar name uh, with a famous mom uh, as one of our uh, top.
0: It is Mr. Brock Hartson. He pitched for, yeah, he had seven innings pitched, only gave up one hit, no runs earned or otherwise, one walk, seven strikeouts. And that was on 87. Total pitches, so he was smoking. Awesome.
1: And uh, you know, Brock is, uh, you know, he's he's an interesting case because you know he he was in the Indian system, he was doing pretty well. Then he retires after some injuries, and then he comes out of retirement this season and finished the season strong. And now they're sending him to the Arizona Fall League.
0: It is pretty funny that he he's just quit baseball, comes back, and a couple weeks later is like, actually no, um, I can throw a Maddox, yeah. no problem. <laughs>
1: So that was great. So I'm very happy for him. So uh, I, I hope that he can keep going because, um, I mean, he's at least double A worthy right now, in my opinion. And that means, you know, he's not too far away from contending for a spot in the Indians rotation.
0: Yeah. And I, it's, it's just cool that they basically got him again for free this year, just to show him he back up. He did it
1: after, uh, you know, some of the other top prospects in the Indian system injured or you know underperformed uh in pitching at least with you know McKenzie with Oviedo with uh Gene Carlos Mejia so uh yeah this was a really nice nice thing to have
0: the next guy that we have in the top five is Mr. Jose Fermin
1: yeah and Fermin finished the season real strong uh ended up with a 333 405 515 five stolen bases which is just nasty um and and he was really good for over a month to close out the season. Uh, he also was uh, the what was it? To, the Midwest League Player of the Week as well. So you know he just he had a really strong close to the season. Um, and what's really interesting is he's actually going to be Rule Five eligible, I believe, oh. because because he uh, he had an injury that slowed his development early in earlier in his career. But you know this is a guy with a great eye at the plate. Uh, you know, good bat to ball skills, good defense. So the Indians might have to make a tough decision. I mean, I, I'm hoping that no one would take him if he hasn't even been to high A yet, but I, he might, I, I'm not hundred percent sure he's Rule five eligible, but I think I saw somewhere that he might be.
0: Yeah. It would be really frustrating if someone takes him when he's still at just regular class. A, it, it, it would just, I would think napalm their development.
1: And then, uh, you wouldn't happen to have uh, the stats for our next uh, player, would you? It looked like they're not on there, but we can skip ahead.
0: And then I, I actually try. have them up here okay, in front I of will me. Let you go and then. it Who's our being next? able to My l- best. We went ahead and picked Eli Lingos for the last two starts that he made during the regular season. He ended up going six innings total in each of them, allowing only four hits in both of those. Two earned runs in the first, only one earned run in the second. Uh, one walk each in each of them, and Ended up striking out seven and five respectively. And that concluded a March for him where at the beginning of August, he had a 446 ERA. And by the time he finished the month of August, he was sitting at 366. So a really, really strong finish to the year. Didn't have any starts in August with fewer than five innings pitched. And except for the very first one, he had either two, one, or zero runs earned for that stretch. So just a, a really, really excellent finish. Uh, unfortunately, he did pitch last night in an elimination game and got tagged for four runs in four innings. But and, uh, that's not count. the regular yep. season. Wait, don't count. It doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> and that brings us to Mr. Michael Peoples. We've got another another pitcher. I think this is the first time we've had three pitchers in the five best.
1: And uh, you know, this is a guy that's been in the ending system for a really long time, a veteran of the system. Uh, he's he's. Kind of been in that double A, triple A area for the last few seasons now, uh, but he's just really been dependable. And, and he had an incredible finish to this season with uh, six innings pitched in his start, allowed just one hit, no walks, no runs, seven strikeouts. And then over the whole last month, uh, he had uh, six starts with a 222 ERA, 36 strikeouts, and just four walks. I mean, that's Bieber esque.
0: It's Bieberish. Yeah, Bieberish. <laughs> Bieber. <laughs>
1: So, yeah, great, great job, Michael Peoples. You know, he's he's another guy, you know. Obviously, he's not going to be at the top of the list, but um, he could be contending for uh, a spot in the Indians rotation next spring because, you know, this is a guy that throws strikes, and uh, when he hits his spots, he can be tough to hit. So, you know, he's not some super flamethrower, but just another good, solid, dependable arm at the top of the Indians uh, minor league system. And then, uh, obviously, I think uh, we may have already mentioned to this man, Uh, before but
0: I mean the numbers are good enough on their own but I feel like even if he had just hit that one home run last night I'd have to put him here (laughs) (laughs) just for that
1: yeah again you know playoffs don't matter but that one that one like transcended playoffs
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like the Austin Jackson catch in that game from a couple of years ago, where the Indians lost, but that's the only thing anyone remembers from the game. So last night, like, sure, the Clippers lose, but Poppy Bradley. <laughs> yeah, did you see what he did to <laughs> that? Set all the bomb <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right.
0: Uh, so that moves us along to transactions, which there weren't really yeah, a ton of I mean, here in the last, last week. week transactions which is are
1: typically pretty low key. Obviously, you had the Tyler Naquin injury, so the Indians called up Jake Bowers. Uh, they also called up, you know, Eric Haas, uh, Ryan Flaherty, um, maybe a pitcher or two. So nothing too crazy there for the September call-ups. Um, and then to fill some space, uh, Ryan Laverneway was uh, signed at the AAA level. And then you had a couple depth guys. Uh, Connor Smith was promoted to Double A to end up the, to close out the season. And Henry Pujols was promoted to High A from Mahoney Valley. So nothing too crazy there in transactions. Actually had nobody get hurt the last week of the season, which is always nice. (laughs) Uh, But uh, I think at this point, I want to talk a little bit about how each uh, team did in the Indian system since the regular season is over for all levels. So we're going to start in the DSL, which was interesting. The Indians had two teams, well, one and a half teams. Uh, there are the DSL Indians, and then there's the DSL Indians Brewers. And uh, they were last and second to last in the DSL North Division. <laughs>
0: well, so, maybe one team would have yeah. been better.
1: Um, the Indians Brewers went 17-52. and 52. They were the worst team in the whole DSL by a pretty wide margin. Um, but again, you know that's kind of where the Indians, really the only good player on the Indians Brewers was uh, Junior San Quentin. Uh, You know, the Indians just needed a spot to have they had three very good shortstop prospects and they weren't going to let them all, you know, split time on one team. So they had San Quentin on the Indians Brewers and then they had Angel Martinez and um, Gabriel Rodriguez on the DSL Indians. And then when Rodriguez got promoted to the AZL they sent San Quentin to the Indians, to the DSL Indians. So the Indians Brewers got even worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the DSL Indians went 26 and 41. Uh, offensively, they were actually pretty good. Um, and at one point in the season, I think this was over a month into the season, they had walked more than they struck out. So like they were, they were very exciting offensively, but they had almost zero pitching prospects at that level. So, you know, they're not going to win a lot of yeah, they not going to win a lot of games when you're giving up a lot of runs. Um, I mean, there they honestly were almost nothing there. So, p- pitching-wise, offensively, it was it was a good season. They had a uh, a couple of players make it to uh, the the AZL and get promoted. Not just Gabriel Rodriguez, uh, had a catcher, I think uh, Shane Paz and so, you know, it was it was it was a fun season, but you know, obviously nothing that impressive. So, uh, it, and it was more about giving the position players an opportunity to develop. Uh, in the Arizona League, though, there was a lot of excitement for the Indians. Um, the Indians last year had two of the best teams in the Arizona Rookie League. They both made the playoffs, um, and this year they had uh, two other very good teams. Uh, the, there were the Indians Red and the Indians Blue. The Indians Red was primarily composed of like high school and college players from the Indians draft. And the Indians blue was primarily composed of international players, Uh, but it also had pitchers from like the Indians draft. (laughs) So they kind of split up the pitchers and position players. Uh, So the Indians red went 27 and 29. Uh, So they had a pretty decent season, had uh, several good players. Indians blue, however, uh, they made it to the playoffs. They went uh, 35 and 21. They were one of the best teams in uh, all the AZL and, uh, Aaron Bracco was a very big standout. He was, if you remember, you know, one of the top international signings of the year. They got, you know, George Valera and Brian Rocchio. Uh, Aaron Bracco was the the player that actually got signed for the biggest bonus that year. And this was his first season after missing all of last year with an injury. And he was tremendous. He was their best player. And he ended up getting promoted to Mahoning Valley right in time for the AZL Indians Blue to make it to make their playoff run. (laughs) So. That was a bit unfair, but uh, Indians Blue ended up uh, losing. Uh, the, they made it to the championship game uh, series. They won their first game uh, in the playoffs. Uh, they, they faced a team that was pretty good, and they beat them like ten to one. Uh, and then they, in a best two out of three championship series, they lost both games. So, but to make it to the championship is pretty impressive. So, good job, great job by the AZL Indians Blue. Uh, but yeah, and then. Apologize for the typing. I did not have every single league that the Indians played in the standings. But moving on up, the final short season team that the Indians had was the Mahoning Valley Scrap scrappers, who uh, I think possibly had the most hype of any team in the in uh, the Indian system, and they lived up to it for the most part. But uh, I think what was disappointing was there was some inconsistent offense. Um, obviously, you know, you had George Valera being one of the top home run hitters in the league, but, you know, several other players you know just didn't quite have the offensive seasons we were hoping for. You know, Rocchio, you know, batted 250, nothing real crazy there. Uh, Delgado was good. Yeah. It was, just, it was a very young team. I mean, it's literally, I'd, I'd say more than half the team was under 20 years old. So, um, they just didn't quite live up to the expectations, but again, that's tough when you got so many good young kids on on a team like that. So uh, they finished the season 37 and 39. They just missed the playoffs uh, in the last week. So, uh, and they, they, they still had a good year, but just it wasn't quite up to the expectations. I think I was hoping that they would have a winning record and, and be in the playoffs, but didn't quite happen. But then uh, I think uh, a surprise team was Lake County.
0: And as we mentioned, their season sadly came to an end close to the the championship round, but they ended up putting together a nice year.
1: Basically in the first half, they qualified for the playoffs by going 40 and 29. Uh, And overall on the season, they finished uh, 74 and 64. So uh, basically in the first half, they had Will Benson, you know, being King of the world (laughs) and Tyler Freeman being a God, um, so that was really, really amazing. But uh, then in the second half with uh, those guys promoted to high A, they weren't quite as good, but, I mean, they were still strong, and they, and they still had uh, a good run. Um, Jose Fermin was very good down the stretch. They also lost one of their best players to a trade. <laughs> uh, Ruben Cardenas was one of their middle-of-the-order middle, middle of the order bats, and he was traded in uh, – what trade was that? Um, where we got, who did we get in the Ruben Cardenas deal? It I can't was even remember.
0: too long ago for me. It Hunter,
1: no, was it Hunter Wood? All right. He's got some more thunder typing here. But uh, yeah, it was uh, the Christian Arroyo Hunter Wood trade. So, so they, they, they got you know, a guy that immediately could help him in the bullpen and a guy that could compete for the second base position next year. Uh, that's likely going to be open. And they gave up a middle of the order bat at full season, like single late Lake County, but yeah, so Lake County had a good season. Um, I think pitching ended up being a strength. They had uh, several really good performers there. And uh, I was uh, you know impressed with uh, what they were able to do overall. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was just a, a fun year. And I think people did not expect them to be that good this year. So uh, they, at the beginning of the year, they had, <laughs> uh, nasty infield. I mean, it had two top international uh, signings and uh, I think three former first round picks (laughs) all like on that team. I mean, just, it was a really uh, impressive team. So yeah, I was, I was pleased with how that season finished. Uh, But then uh, moving on, we have uh, Lynchburg, which was in the high A Carolina league. um, And This one was a little sad. Uh, They finished the year at um, 62 and 73. So not quite what they were hoping. Um, And they missed the playoffs for the first time in seven years. So, uh, but overall, they still had a pretty good season. They just, you know, Lake County was not a great team last year. And basically Lynchburg was Lake County from last year. But then they added a couple more uh, studs like in Benson and Freeman. And while Freeman played pretty well at high A, uh, Benson had his struggles, so you know he's the kind kind of guy that you know needs a little bit extra time to really learn and develop at uh, each level. So, uh, but then Akron, that one uh, I was I'd say out of all the seasons that I was excited about, I think Akron might have had the most disappointing.
0: Which, yeah, I agree. But one of my favorite statistics in all of Indians minor league baseball. <laughs> is that Kai Tom led the Akron Rubber Ducks with 14 home runs. He was not on the team (laughs) for half the year. He got promoted like two and a half months ago. (laughs) So uh,
1: Akron finished the year um, overall 61-79. and You know, at the beginning of the year, they were kind of a 500 team, and then they went on a horrific losing streak at one point. I think it was over 10 games, it might have been, so... Just a, a tough stretch there for Akron. Uh, what really hurt Akron was every time they hit a pitcher that was doing good, <laughs> they'd get promoted. Uh, you know, they started the year with Zach Playsack, who was unbelievable, and then Playsack doesn't just get promoted to A, he gets promoted to the Indians and finishes the whole season with the Indians. Then they're like, okay, well, you know, Aaron Savalley is finally ready to to start pitching for us. He's uh, you know, he's been hurt for the first month and a half or so, and then Savali's unbelievable, and then he gets promoted to AAA and then to Cleveland. I mean, it was just unfair almost uh, that they were in that type of situation. And then Eli Morgan was so good in the first you know, half of the season, but then he really struggled down the stretch as well. So, you know, they just – it didn't quite come together for him. Uh, you know, the, the players that were playing good got promoted, like Daniel Johnson and Kai Tom, their best players, uh, and then uh, – and Obviously, their the, their best pitchers as well. So, just it, they were kind of the in between team. It seemed like this year. So, uh, really, the only stud that they finished with was Nolan Jones, who who did finish the season strong. But I mean,
0: yes, uh, not but, enough. I mean, by that point, I mean, you can't blame them for having four or five guys that quickly promoted themselves out of there.
1: And then uh, closing it out, the Columbus Clippers were. Tremendous this year. They finished the year 81-59, and 59, first place in the West Division of the International League, um, finished the year on a five-game winning streak, and they are also, obviously right now, uh, one win away from competing for the Governor's Cup, so uh, very exciting. I think that right now they're up 2-1 in their uh, clash, so if they win this, then uh, they move on to the championship, so keep it up, Clippers. And I think that closes it out for how the, the Indians teams did – I'm going to go into more depth uh, with some articles on all of these teams. Uh, it's just it's tough to keep track, though, with, with promotions. You really got to factor in how long these guys were there, what kind of impact they, they had. So, uh, you know, it, it, there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of change that goes on in a minor league season. I mean, even the major leagues. I mean, the Indians, I think, only have 10 players on their current roster that were on the, the, the starting 25 <laughs> at, at, on opening day.
0: It's just that that's just ridiculous.
1: I mean, maybe maybe it's 11 now since Carrasco's been activated, but but yeah, no no Max Moroff's and Eric Stamets' is on the Indians right now.
0: You know, when you mention the fact <laughs> that they were on the opening day roster, I do feel a little bit better about where they are now. <laughs> <laughs> Hate to say it, but... Ah! Switching gears entirely, we have our last edition of Indians in the cupboard for this season. And these are a, a hitter and pitcher each that we decide to <clears throat> highlight that are outside of the top 10 but we think are people that maybe deserve a little bit more attention than they're getting or they're just too much fun to not talk about so my pitcher still have Kyle Nelson I've had him for I think 2 months now but he ended up finishing the season with 47 innings pitched 69 strikeouts nice only 14 walks and a 2.28 ERA uh, a really nice year and he's Still a pretty under-the-radar guy, especially in a season, I think, when the Indians had so many relievers in the minors that pitched really well. And a guy like Karen Shack, who's striking out 38 batters per nine still. um, this Nelson's a player that went from high A at the start of the year and finished with the Clippers. And depending on what the Indians decide to do with their bullpen, um, he could be in the conversation to be one of the arms that they either take out of spring training or pretty early on get a look at uh, due to injuries or needing a 26th man for a doubleheader or something like that.
1: There's going to be a stiff competition for that Indians bullpen job next year. I mean, real stiff because, you know, the Indians bullpen has been good this year and it's kind of been buoyed by some players having above average seasons, but uh, you know, you have some serious prospect talent coming up at that AAA level that are, that are ready, you know, with Sandlin and Karen, Jack and Nelson. So, and uh, Cameron Hill, Henry Martinez. I mean, this is, a, this is an exciting time uh, for the future of the Indians bullpen. So uh, definitely don't blink. There's going to be a lot of strikeouts coming to the, to the major leagues very soon. How about your boy Yainer?
0: And then for my hitter, I, yep. Yainer Diaz finished with 341, 364, five to twelve. Uh, interesting year to talk about because that was his overall slash line for the season. His last seven games, he hit 185, 185, 222. He dominated the rookie league, which I think it was his third year in a row starting there. So good. You kind of hope that he would. And he earned a promotion to low A pretty quickly and got 140 plate appearances there. Ended up slashing 274. 293, 393, so not quite as effective. Still great contact skills, but it'll be interesting to see how he continues to develop seeing the ball, if he can get a little bit more patient, or, I mean, I guess it doesn't hurt to have a catcher who's going to hit 280 or something with pretty good defensive skills, regardless of how often he gets on base, as long as he's got some power. Brian, how did your cupboard... End of the year.
1: Uh, neither guy really finished strong. Uh, we had Oscar Gonzalez went uh, 111, 200, 111, which is shocking because he is known for never walking, and he walked twice. So uh, even though he had a really bad BAPIP, uh tough luck to close out the year off with his hitting. Uh, he did get promoted to Double A to close out the year. Um, so at end of the year with a pretty pretty nice slash: a uh, 293, 315, 418. So. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely pleased, and that's something that you know should you know open some eyes of uh, Indians uh, people in the the brass. And uh, my boy Kurt McCarty did not finish the year strong. Uh, last start, he went three and two thirds, nine hits. Ouch! Uh, gave up three earned runs, two walks, three strikeouts. So not quite the way I was hoping he would finish the year, but uh, I'll take it. Uh, and I was hoping maybe they'll give him a shot in the the fall league, but.
0: And one more thing about Oscar Gonzalez, he had, I think, one of my favorite moments of the entire minor league season, in which he finally drew his first walk—a like month the and year. a half into the year. <laughs> and then, if I remember correctly, the teammates like <laughs> asked for the ball and gave it to him. Right? The whole team <laughs>
1: signed the ball. <laughs> it was on Snapchat or something. So. <laughs> But yeah, just like a player getting their first hit in the major leagues, they, they actually got the ball back. Like, I'm sure the pitcher was like, what? But I think one of my favorite things was, it was a post from one of his teammates was, after seeing so many times him swinging at, and and lacing a single on a 3-0 pitch, he finally did it. <laughs> so there must have been so many times where he had a pitcher that just could not throw a strike and he didn't just care.
0: Slap it anyway. <laughs> And to finish things off this week, we do have a couple of questions. First off from at Dreaming Baseball on Twitter. Which are the most intriguing players I should expect to see on the captains roster when the 2020 season begins?
1: Uh, I would definitely say Ethan Hankins. I would expect to start. I mean, you don't know for sure, because like when the Indians were really aggressive with Tristan McKenzie, he was unstoppable at Mahoning Valley. He got promoted to Lake County for a couple starts, and then they had him start the next year at uh, Carolina League, high A, and he was pitcher of the year. I mean, that's where all the, the hype came from. So Hankins potentially could be on that same path, but if they're conservative, he'll definitely be a stud pitcher in that on that team. Carlos Vargas, definitely somebody to be excited about. Uh, he had a, some very strong starts this year, and he also throws 100 miles an hour. Um, potentially, Espino could be on that that rotation. I mean, you've got some really, really exciting players. Um, Hunter Gaddis, I- I'm almost certain, will be in that rotation. He uh, he was, I believe, the Indians' fifth round pick, and he got promoted to uh, Mahoning Valley. And you know, they weren't stretching him out, even though he was a starter at college. Uh, I don't think he ever pitched more than three innings, but he'll be stretched out next year and he'll be a starter at Lake County for sure. And he is just a filthy uh, strikeout artist uh, with a advanced uh, ability just from his extra years that he's pitched in college. So there's a lot to like about that potential rotation at Lake County. And then offensively, you're probably going to be having, you know, Rocchio, Delgado, Valera, um, you know, just uh, potentially, uh Aaron Bracco or um, who are some other ones yeah, yeah La Vistada Yainer Diaz Um Corey Holland is another exciting uh outfield prospect um I mean there's there's a lot of talent Michael Cooper is a first base prospect to keep an eye on uh skinny as a rail the skinniest first baseman you've ever seen in your life by the way but uh uh potential to really you know as he starts to to fill out very young player uh, could become really nasty. So th- there's a lot of young talent. I mean, it's going to be one of the youngest Lake County teams they've ever had. So uh, definitely uh, an exciting time to, to be paying attention. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's going to be some players that make a huge leap next year, and I would not be shocked if several. And then
0: our our second at, question that, that level. from Ghost into the Shell on Twitter. Do you guys think Eric Haas, Lee Jen Chu, Bo Naylor, Yainer Diaz, and Brian Lavistada could change the common perception throughout the Indian's blogosphere that there's a lack of catching depth in the farm system? And I wasn't aware that there was a, a, a feeling that there was depth missing, other than maybe people still being sad that we traded Francisco Mejia, although maybe we should be less sad about that as time goes by.
1: I think that was clearly the right choice. Uh, Mejia still has not established himself with the Padres. And then uh, Eric Haas is somebody that I think will absolutely be competing for that backup role next year behind Perez. Um, Lajan, Chu is a pretty good offensive catcher, but I don't know if he'll be able to stick as a defensive catcher, but he'll probably be playing AAA next year. Uh, Bo Naylor was excellent this year, really turned it on in the second half of the season. I was very pleased with him. Uh, he's definitely a top five Indians prospect in my opinion, um, and he'll be at High A next year. Uh, Yaner Diaz, you know, just keeps hitting, <laughs> so potentially could be at Single A next year. And uh, Lavaista also should be at full season next year. So yeah, there's a lot of decent uh, catching prospects, and don't forget you've still got guys like Mike Rivera and Logan Ice who. Aren't known as offensive catchers, but are good, you know, game managers. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of decent catchers in the Indian system, and uh, I think that they'll be in uh, really good shape moving forward.
0: Yeah, I, I wonder if it's sort of a lack of perception that outside of Naylor, there's anyone that is. It, it, there's no sure thing when it comes to prospects, but someone that should things continue, you you will see him on a major league roster playing a significant. Yeah, role. I, th- I think So maybe it's just it, Lava Cita people are sure.
1: I think Lavastida and Yainer potentially could be major league catchers if they keep it up. Uh, offensively, you know, a lot of times catchers don't really hit that next level until you know they're, they're known for being slow developers. You know, look at a you know, like guy like Travis DeArnot over in Tampa Bay, like finally had his breakout season and he's what 28. So, you know, it just it happens late for some guys. Uh, Eric Haas didn't really turn into a, a, a decent prospect in the Indian system until he was like 24. So uh, to, to have somebody that would drafted out of high school, basically, and Bo Naylor be a stud-catching prospect, um, it, either that that's exciting right now. And then to have also some young guys like Yainer and, uh, and La Bastida, who I think was – I think La was drafted out of uh, com- junior college or community college, uh, so he was able to get drafted like a year earlier, than uh, like regular college players. So, you know, the, we, we do have some really good depth right now. So, uh, yeah, the Indian system is strong at catching. I mean, it's not strong in terms of elite prospects. It's really uh, Naylor at the top, and then Haas is, you know, fringe in the 20s. But uh, there's definitely some solid depth there, guys that can get the job done, guys that can hit. Uh, and, you know, if you look at their defensive stats, they're actually throwing out a pretty decent rate of uh, potential would-be base dealers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, with that, I believe we have reached the end of our regularly scheduled Indians on Deck podcasts for this year. Although I do expect pending any trades that happen in the system or after the Rule 5 draft and winter meetings and such, I I think it would be good to reconvene and talk about any changes to the shape of the system at that time. But uh, I want to thank everyone who has joined us along the way and listened to us talk your ear off about these prospects. Hope you had fun. We sure did. Brian, anything that you've got here to, to end the year?
1: I do have a a couple articles in the works. So keep an eye out for those. Um, you know, I I always try to do like a prospect rankings update, uh, after, you know, MLB pipeline, after the trade deadline and everything. And I've I've had something sitting in the back end of the Indians site for like a month now. So I finally have time to finish it. Uh, so that should be coming soon. And then I will be trying to do these, uh, End of the year recaps for each team, and then I might do something like uh, you know, players that you know broke out, players that disappointed, type of article as well. I think that that's something that people are always interested to see who, you know, who turned the corner as a prospect, or who maybe you know brought back, or maybe even a former prospect that finally figured it out, like a like a Juan Hillman or something. So you know, th- there's a lot to lot to dig into. Based on uh, this system, because you know there's a lot of teams and most people you talk to, they, they don't even realize even close to how many levels and players are in a minor league system. So, yeah, there's a lot to take in and then uh, we'll see what I can uh, find from uh, digging through all the numbers and everything.
0: Yeah, it'll be exciting to see what you come up with. Well, hey, thanks again, everyone. Let's hope the Indians uh, give us something fun to watch in October.